Yasko and Nick ended the prelude right at 10 o'clock, and I had to tell them that for the summer we've kind of been holding the start time pretty casually <laughs> <laughs> as a community. What's that mean? When our son died, I summoned three of my oldest friends to a diner in Evanston. I didn't invite them or request their presence. I summoned them, and they came. Fresh from work in collared shirts and slacks that I almost never saw them in, and me having driven over from the hospital looking like I'd been up for most of the last 48 hours, which I had. It was one of those moments when it felt like life could not possibly go on that the pain would never let up, that there was no way forward. And then there we were, crammed into this like too bright booth, paging through giant plastic menus, picking out food that we had no appetite for. Me trying to explain what I'd just been through and them trying to offer comfort and both of us failing. We mostly sat in silence, the most awkward meal we had shared in 20 years of friendship. But we shared it. And that turned out to somehow be enough. To give me some hope, to show me that I wasn't alone, to help me believe that life could go on. Job oh is in one of those moments. If you know anything about Job, you probably know that. He's lost everything, home and flocks and children and spouse. And in our scripture, he's yelling at God. He's essentially saying, pick on someone your own size. But like with a botanical metaphor, human beings are flowers, he says, easily destroyed. Snap us off at the stem. We don't grow back. Go find a tree. At least there is hope for a tree. And he's a pretty good botanist for his time. He knows that there are plants that can grow back when they're cut down and ones that can't. Although we know, or I know, like basically as of this week doing research for this sermon, that there are trees that won't send shoots out from their stumps. And there are flowers that die each winter only to return in spring. He's really talking, I think, about the difference between annuals and perennials, which in part is the difference between plants that invest in their flowers and plants that invest in their roots. Annuals tend to spring up fast, have bigger flowers that last longer, but when the cold comes, they're toast. And perennials come up slower and have smaller flowers that only last a few weeks but they come back year after year. And yes, I know it's more complicated than that, uh, but I <laughs> promised myself that I wouldn't turn this into another sermon where I talk too much about plant biology. We've all been through a lot of that lately, so I'm not even gonna say, for instance, the word rhizome. <laughs> We're just talking flowers <laughs> and roots. That's the choice, only to Job it's not a choice. We're all annuals in his mind. We're all flowers. So when he says there's hope for a tree, what he really means is there is no hope for us. Actually, in my commentary, this section is labeled Job experiences the destruction of hope. Mm. 
it's one of those moments when he feels that life could not possibly go on, that the pain will never let up, that there is no way forward. But this week, reading this passage again, I realized, feeling its heavy hopelessness, I saw something that I hadn't before, which is that Job is wrong. Not wrong to be angry or devastated or even to lose hope, but wrong that this will turn out to be the end. That having his stem snapped, he will wither and fade, that there is no way forward. Wrong that he's a flower because he turns out to be a tree, a perennial. He just doesn't know that yet. His life has been taken down to the ground, a stump left to rot, but it won't. It will sprout again. At the scent of water, it will bud and put forth branches like a young plant. Job will get through this and grow another life on the other side because he has roots. For Job, it's his faith. It's this ongoing relationship with God that he's cultivated over the course of his life, a daily connection that means when the worst hits, Job cries out to one he already knows intimately, to one of his oldest friends. Job can summon God, and God, by the end of the book, shows up. And just to be clear, that faith is not one that means that Job has to accept all the bad things that have happened or believe they're part of God's will, that that, that idea of faith is what Job's neighbors actually believe when they come over to tell Job it's his fault. And Job knows that's not true. Job knows that's a flowery faith. They, those friends are just one real tragedy from being snapped off at the stem. Job's faith is one that means he can question God, that means he can get angry with God and doubt God and challenge God to be the kind of God that Job believed in in the first place. Job's faith lets him rail and explode and come apart and suffer through God doing a bad job of comforting him by the end of the book and eventually to sit in awkward silence with God until it finally becomes clear that his life will go on. And Job can do all of that, knows how to do it all because he's invested in the relationship. He's cultivated those roots. For me, that evening, it was my friends. That moment at the diner was built on so many other moments, birthday sleepovers, ski trips, poker games, classes chosen just to be together, me cheering for them at their sporting events, them coming to my musicals, <laughs> making time for each other when we got into relationships, supporting one another through breakups, the time that Chad Smothers made fun of me and my friend Scott stood up for me immediately. Ow visiting each other at college, getting summer jobs together, moving in after college with one another, getting in fights, making up so many Friday night meals at El Jarapeo on the east side of Indianapolis, walking across the parking lot to the $1.50 movies afterward. So many hours on the phone talking about nothing, so much time and energy and love invested in one another. And it made us trees. 
so that when the worst happened, we had roots we could grow back from. So that when every part of us that was visible looked lifeless and winter was still in full force, we found ourselves with hidden stores of strength that we could summon when we needed it most. When we believed it was over and there was no way forward, when we railed at God to pick on someone their own size, we discovered we were wrong. I discovered I was wrong, that I wasn't a flower at all, that I was a tree. I could go on. Bethany is a community where we're trying to grow roots, where we're investing in faith and friendship in ways that we hope will nourish and sustain us. At least that's what I think we're here for. Last week, after his final Sunday with us for the summer, our guitarist, Chris, was reflecting on how much he enjoys being here with us every summer and how helpful it is in his life to have this hour every week, to, to gather in a community and sit lightly, how it helps to be grounded for the head and more the person one. And I think church coach every month in the last two years. <laughs> every congregation knows is that half or three quarters of the people they had before the pandemic. Everywhere people are asking themselves whether it's worth it. The time, energy, the fighting with kids, the getting out of bed to be here. Maybe you've wondered that yourself. What's it about? What's it for? Going to meetings or baking muffins or teaching Sunday school or reading the book group book or, or not reading the book group book but still showing up to book group or marching in a parade or cooking a meal or tutoring a kid or sharing a prayer or listening to a poem, singing songs together, sticking around for a cup of coffee. I motioned back there but we don't have coffee hour today. Week in and week out, what does it do? I hope it makes us trees that this is a place where we can learn to connect to God so that we can cry out to one we already know intimately. I hope that we practice a faith that makes it clear that when we need to, we can question God and get angry with God and doubt God and challenge God to be the kind of God we believe in in the first place or challenge God to be the kind of God we think we might be able to believe in someday that we can rail and explode and come apart and sit in awkward silence until we realize that life will somehow go on. And I hope that we're becoming real friends, that showing up for each other in simple ways, playing lawn Jenga at a social or going on an overly detailed tour with me of the building sweating it out in our gym for the last two years or sweating it out in our sanctuary or renting a van and traveling to Biloxi and sleeping in a dorm room, I guess, is what we're doing. Making a casserole to share, sending a text to say, I'm thinking of you, giving a ride, reading a scripture, passing the peace to each other, the goofy, like, waving across the lawn to one another that we're doing now, I guess, which is beautiful. Week after week, I, I hope without even knowing it, it is making us stronger. 
It is nourishing and sustaining us. It is preparing us to show up for each other in bigger, harder ways when we're sick, when we're grieving, when we're dying, when we need someone to stand up for us, when we believe we're alone, when we're in one of those moments, I hope that we will know we can summon each other and we will show up. And I know it's self-serving for me to say, so you pay my salary, uh, you give me housing and health insurance. Of course, the minister thinks there's something to this thing. But it's not that, or it's not. You are part of my root system. People I love and am invested in. And I want us to be strong because I know that I will meet you.